Hey, Amanda Holmes here. If you enjoy Ultimate Sales Machine, whether it be the book or our trainings, or you've been listening to these podcasts and you're thinking, I'd really like this to be infiltrated into my business. I want it to run in the DNA of me and my team. Then I have something really special for you. A Harvard Business Review study showed that in times of financial crisis, regular and consistent training was the key differentiator to help companies sustain and strengthen and be able to set themselves out as number one in their market when people weren't spending money. That is why, with what we have on the horizon and what's happening right now, that's why we put together a group training format, a community of like-minded, ultimate sales machine believers that want to with just one hour a week work on your business in marketing sales and operations to get it finely tuned to with pig-headed discipline and determination to improve every little piece of your business just one hour a week if you'd like to hear more go to ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash dojo that's d-o-j-o Again, ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash dojo, D-O-J-O. As my father was a fourth degree black belt in karate, we decided to take this training, make it for the modern man and, or woman, and have it be a dojo theme. So you'll see sparring included, you'll see tournaments included, and belts. You can get your black belt certification in Ultimate Sales Machine, which will also be available So if you want to bring in your executive team, if you want your head of sales, if you want your head of marketing, if you'd like teams to get trained in this methodology, ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash dojo. Welcome back to your weekly dose of the ultimate sales machine coming to you live from the CEO Mastery Show. I have with me today... Troy Averly and Julie Eason, we have been doing some behind the scenes work. I can't give it to you just yet. Let's dive into the topic for today. I know you'll have to stay here. I love it. We've been doing a lot of behind the scenes. Yes. And it will transpire as we go through this. So we were discussing because so many people, hundreds of thousands of businesses have read the ultimate sales machine as a book. What are the biggest mistakes that companies make when trying to build their own ultimate sales machine? Julie, what would you say? I think most people, like they read any old, any book, it doesn't matter what book it is, but especially with the ultimate sales machine, there's so much information in there and they want so badly to implement everything that they skim across the top and they take a little from here and a little from here and a little from here. And they try to implement it. And what happens is when you're going across and you're trying to do too much at once, nothing really sinks down into your brain. It doesn't get into the DNA of who you are and and your organization. Also, it has to sink down into their DNA so that every everyone is working together and speaking the same language around one thing at one time and go deep into the whatever chapter it is that you think is going to be the most effective in your business right now, go deep into that chapter and study it and then find as many ways to apply it as you possibly can for a long time, like for a month, for six weeks, and really get it down before you go into the next thing. Because otherwise you're going to quit too soon because you're not going to see the results that you want. It's not because it doesn't work and it's not because you don't have the right people or whatever. It's just that you've skimmed across the top and you haven't given it enough time to really sink in. 
I love that you said that because we found some statistics recently that said that 70% of organizational change fails because of 80% of that is because of the communication between managers and staff. They're just not on the same page. So like you're saying, they're going through too much information without diving deep. It's not about going wide. It's about going deep, one inch, right? Deep. So what about you, Troy? Because you're somebody that really has read the ultimate sales machine so many times, watched the videos so many times. And that's why you've been able to sell over half a billion dollars in sales and so much more with the sales teams that you manage. So can you, what do you think is that big difference in stopping people? Well, I think that obviously I really find that mindset such a big piece of it. When people show up in a place of either fear or in a place of opportunity is going to set the stage, you know, really for how you're going to show up for your own self. Mm. I think that the companies that don't, that have teams where you feel like there's so much need to panic and react, that's a really bad tone. And I think when you can focus on the light, on what it is you truly want to achieve now, either the people in the team that are personally and professionally, and make sure that those things align with their corporate goals. You're going to have a lot more momentum. Take time for your team to really understand what it is that drives them and make sure, like Julie said, make sure that the team understand what drives the company and the business. When you can have that part, you can work on your own internal language of how you see yourself as confident in what you're doing. That'll spill off into the external language that the customer sees and make sure you're actually taking action because that's what's really going to set the state for the company and your team. And if there's no action, there's no plan. There's no ability to feel like you can collaborate and be resourceful. You're going to have misalignment and what'll happen. You'll just be stuck as to where you are today because your temperature is already set, if you will, to what you're willing to tolerate today. When you can change these things and you can push each other and you can see more excitement and that emotional drive, you will naturally find ways or desire to want to do more things to get to that higher number. Or those KPIs. You, it's definitely one of your superpowers, this alignment of goals, personal goals to the business goals. I've seen you do such wonderful work there. So then I'm curious to you both, what has been the roadmap to success for those that actually bring Ultimate Sales Machine and turn it into their DNA? You've seen plenty of clients coming through CHI now. I'm just curious. What do you think is the differentiator, Julie? I think the people that succeed the best are the ones who are asking questions, who are coming to us and saying, hey, we tried this. What do you think? Or is am I doing this right? Rather than having the ego around, I know what I'm doing all the time. Like if mm. you're learning a different methodology and it's it takes time for it to sink in. It takes time. It takes practice. Honestly, like you're learning something new. It takes a lot of practice. And so the people that do it the best are the ones who are asking questions, who are in a learner beginning beginning mindset. And even though they may know everything there is to know about their business and they're experts in their field and they're the top of the industry, you still have that beginner mindset. And you're like, I'm learning something new here. And even if I've been, Troy does this beautifully. He's been through that book 700 times and he always comes to it with a beginner mindset of what did I miss? What else can I pull out of this chapter? What else can I do? How else can I apply this in my business and in my life? And it's just amazing to watch when people have those beginner mindsets and they really dig down deep into each individual. Do you want to talk at all about, you were saying earlier about Tim, 
one of our recent clients. Yes, one of one. our core story clients. Oh my gosh. They're brilliant. Tim Urich and Olivia Kirk from Tier One Capital. They are brilliant strategists brilliant. around helping businesses, especially family businesses, find the capital that they need and in, in, within their current cash flow to really set up their retirements, set up their, their exit strategies and their succession planning and all the things that people struggle with. They find the money to help people do it without impacting what they do. And they are also like brilliant at, at managing family dynamics because they deal with family businesses. And so a lot of CEOs wow. are nervous. Now I'm like doing a commercial for them. But anyway, the way that they brilliant uh, with the way that they, the way that they implemented the work that we did with them. They took what we were, we worked on a core story for one section of their business, for one market and in one area. But they worked, as soon as we gave them any deliverable or anything, they immediately went and replicated it across to a different segment of their business. And they implemented into keynotes. Both of them had keynotes during the time we were working together. And they both went through and completely rearranged the way that they even approached doing keynote speeches Very to nice. include the market data, to include the stories, to include the flow that we were teaching them in a completely different area of their business. And they rocked it. They were getting- They got a standing ovation, didn't they? Yeah. Ovations. Yeah. People were so excited to hear more about what they did. And the, just the joy and fun that we had working together. Like it's, it, when you're all working towards the same goal, it was just, it was a blast on every single call. Absolutely. They rocked it out of the park with that. Okay, Troy, where do people miss in getting Ultimate Sales Machine into their DNA or really any book, right? Where do companies miss? I, I think you miss when you're, when you're looking for too many things and you never actually finish implementing or trying to do something. Like back to Julie's point, I think something that she did brilliant with Tim and Olivia was the fact of laying out exactly that process of where is that target, that goal you want to get for your customer, not just for yourself. But making it so it was clear for, that the customer is going to have the proper message and the proper experience. And then, I, and then made sure that they felt like they could collaborate with her and the team and be able to be resourceful and come up with different strategies and pieces and figure out which, yeah, there's a lot of strategies we can try, but do a couple of them and just do them really darn good and enjoy even messing up and having problems or challenges and tweak those things and make sure that you're as a team no matter how big, no matter how small, that you're working together to do that piece of it. But I'd say execution, Amanda, is yeah. a big one. And that's where Julie, for, for the people she was talking about, they just did so well is they felt confident that, yes, it was going to push them past their boundaries, but they could see so much reward by doing it. And it paid off brilliantly. I love that. And it does speak also to that study, remember, that we just pulled about the last three recessions that happened. They pulled together 4,700 companies. And of that, 91% of them either went bankrupt, lost money, stayed stagnant versus 9% of companies that actually grew when nobody's spending. And one of the critical pieces that they realized about the 9% that grew was they really focused on how to keep their staff instead of laying them off. What smart ways can we be to do a vacation, no paid vacation, right? Just go over vacation for a bit or let's work less hours so we can save more of our staff to keep them longer. So right now we have to do more than ever investing in our people to keep them through this next economic downturn. And training is so critical what majority of companies do, and if any of you guys 
that are listening right now have heard some of my father's pieces uh, over the last few weeks, him talking about the caveman approach where you just say, this is what Sally does. Sally gives to Bob. Bob does what Sally does. And it's just this handoff. And it's such a caveman-like process that is in no way uh, indicative of the actual best practice that should be conducted by each person in your organization. So what does it take to have effective training where you're actually investing in your team to level up and it's working and it gets results? Julie, what would you say there? I think any training that you create, any training that you have your people create for that for their teams, any training anywhere, any anything, you need to have frameworks and models and things that are most important is that they're easy to draw. And that sounds really weird. Like, why do I need to draw this? But if you can draw out a concept, whether it's a circle or a matrix or any kind of simple shape, if you can draw it, you can teach it. And if you can teach it, that means that you've remembered it, you've embedded it into your DNA. So I always say you want to have frameworks that are easy to use, easy to remember, easy to pass along. And if you can take and train your staff in it, that's one thing. But if you can train your customers in your own frameworks, they're going to pass along these stories and these ideas and these concepts. And because they're passing it along, that's just word of mouth. And we know word of mouth customers spend 200% more than any other kind of customer because they trust you in, implicitly because they understand what you're about. Their friends and family have recommended you and just that's where they're going to go because they don't know what else to do with so much information coming at them, advertising coming at them all the time. They're going to go where they are, feel most comfortable. And so if you can describe your products, describe your services in frameworks, things that are easy to draw, which is easy to teach, they're going to get passed along. And I think that's just the most effective thing that you can possibly do is learn how to do frameworks for everything in your business. You do it all the time, right? Constantly creating frameworks. Yeah. Elf machine around Dream 100, all of those things. The Dream 100 is a framework. And the buyer's pyramid, right? So buyer's my father came up with the 3% that are buying now and the 90% that aren't, right? That triangle. How many companies have utilized that framework to describe? I get companies all the time, marketing and sales training companies that come to us saying, we use that buyer's pyramid with all of our new clients. We make them all read chapter four of that. Okay. Yeah, you do. When, it, when you went and updated the book, you needed to describe the core story and describe how to use education-based marketing in your messaging. And you're like, what if we flipped it upside down? And now you can draw the same framework, but it's flipped upside down and it correlates beautifully. And you always have an easy way to explain those particular concepts. Yeah. Well. And then another thing, because I, I think you had mentioned that someone was asking, what is sales training? What do you guys do different from sales training? So can you share a little bit about what most sales training is and how you could consider a different way of doing sales training that's more effective? I think most sales training, sadly, is very scripted to be ex the exact same way for every company when you really look at it. Most people are learning the exact same methodology and most of them have a foul smell of commission where someone comes in that you bring into the office and, you know, you really, you feel great about it, but then what happens, you go back into the real world and you get brought back down into the frequency that you're already accustomed to. But when you're with, when you work with us, you're going to not only learn the mental piece to keep that frequency at a very high Hertz, if you will. But you're also going to feel confident it's going to stay there because you're going to have tactics that actually work that you practice each and every day 
and your customer will sort themselves out. Some of the customers that don't believe in your value will disappear. We're going to teach you how not to feel bad or un unhappy that they left you because that's what typically what emotional salespeople do. But we're going to focus on your best buyers that are going to invest in your value so that it isn't price. That's just the objection. It's going to be about the value, being able to give them education-based marketing to support what it is you do so that these customers become loyal and purchase more of the products and services that you have across your entire organization. And I believe that's where we look at it differently and really looking at the total value process or offering that you can offer your clients. Yeah, I think what you're saying, at its simplest of form, my father always used to say, use strategies that take brain power, not wallet power. Yeah, yeah. How do we outsmart the competition using things that majority of people don't do, but we're just thinking outside of the box. I, and that's one of our core values at Chi. So I'm also curious, I've seen this many times too, so I'll add into this dialogue and we can keep passing it around. The difference between those that train and don't get that retention of their clients that boosts morale, that boosts competency, confidence, right? So in training, somebody might come up and say, okay, I'm going to train the team and they'll just speak something. So you only retain 20% of what you hear. You retain 30% of what, so it's much better that when you do training that you speak it and you have visuals. That's why in my keynotes, and as my father taught for effective presenting, every 30 to 45 seconds, you're seeing a new visual because I'm perpetually keeping you engaged and you will retain more when you see more. So there's the seeing, there's the hearing, and then a deeper level, if you can discuss the topic, it's, I think it's 50% or 60% of what you can discuss and it's 95% of what you can actually teach back. If you teach it back, the level of understanding deepens so much more. For those of you that are listening, when you're building out training for your team, think about what visual aids am I using? How am I creating discussion? Like Troy was saying with workshopping and then how are you getting them to stand up and teach something within the training itself. One of our, one of the clients that I absolutely love, Motila Oswal, they're out of India. They've served over a million Indians with financial services. And they have their 600 sales reps have all read Ultimate Sales Machine, not once, not twice, but three times. And in that three times, they then have to create a report and then they are brought into a, a meeting where they have to train the room on some core competency from the book. That is how thorough, like we're talking about. Now, Julie, that pops up for you of what do we miss when organizations are trying to level up their staff with their training? Yeah, two things. And if this is any kind of training. So this could be like just teaching someone how to, who's a new hire how to do their job. We tend to think back to the only training we ever knew, which is school, which is for most of us a horrible way to learn anything, right? We sit in the chair. We stare at a teacher and they drone on for an hour and then we're like, what, what, what were we supposed to learn? I forgot, right? So in order to stay engaged, you want to do exactly what you said. You want to see, hear, discuss, and teach, but you don't want to learn the seeing and the hearing and the, like, the actual watching a teacher more than 20 minutes. Any more than 20 minutes and their brains are gone. And if you can hold their attention for 20 minutes, you're doing really well. So at least every 20 minutes, have some other activity that reaches a different part of their brain. So we call them pattern interrupts, right? So if I'm teaching about 
if I'm teaching about training and I'm talking about the different levels of learning and everything like I'm doing right now, but it takes them completely out of the lecture and they're just watching something fun, right? And then you have them discuss what it is that they talked about, what they learned. Maybe you give them an exercise and then you have one person out of a group report back and teach it back. Don't necessarily ask people who are extreme introverts to be the one to stand up and present unless it's a really safe environment and you make sure that they know that they're not being judged or anything because they're going to feel super uncomfortable. If you have a large group, it's easier to just put people in groups of four or five and then have them discuss it and then have one person teach it back. One of the best ways to embed information is to reach different parts of the brain. So you have frontal parts of the brain and the back parts of the brain and you have the auditory parts and the visual parts. And one great way to to get people to like learn with without it's sneaky. It's like they don't really know they're learning anything. You find like a video clip from a movie, for example, and it maybe it talks about the same idea, but it's has nothing to do with what you're talking about. So in the core story bootcamp, we do this, right? We have we're talking about using data to impress and to take somebody who thinks that, oh, you're not an expert, you're, you don't know what you're talking about, basically, and turning that person into an expert using data. And that's one thing that for me to just say that. But it's another thing for you to watch a clip from a movie called My Cousin Vinny. And there's a scene in there. And if you haven't seen, if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about. If you haven't seen the movie, you should go watch the movie because it's hilarious. But there's a scene with Marissa Tomei, Tomei and she is on the stand in a courtroom and she is asked a question and she's being cross-examined and trying to, they're trying to prove that she doesn't know what she's talking about because she is, she's a lovely young lady and she doesn't look like she should know anything about cars and automobiles. But in fact, she is an expert in cars, right? And so they ask her a question and she just spits off all this data. And everybody in the courtroom is just, their jaws are like, oh my gosh. And there's no question that she knows what she's talking about and that whatever she says, we need to listen. And so if you want to see that clip and see what we're talking about, it's called My Cousin Vinny, Marissa Tomei. Just type that into YouTube and you'll find the exact clip. But yeah, so when you're trying to embed information, find other ways to do it. Find videos, find music, songs that talk about the same thing so that you're getting the information in lots of different ways. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yes. So I had mentioned earlier in the call, and this has been a collaborative effort over here. So many people that with the flux of the ultimate sales machine and the new edition coming out and more people reading it, they've been coming to Troy saying, oh my gosh, how do we put this into work into our business? And they just keep asking. Everybody keeps asking. And Troy said, we'd be dumb if we didn't do a training to help you get from words on a page to DNA running through your system of your company? How do you create Ultimate Sales Machine into your DNA? So we've put together an Ultimate Sales Machine program to be able to assist organizations. Yeah, Trump says, I was hearing How man have I been saying this? <laughs> Where it can allow for multiple companies to come in. It's group coaching format where everyone from around the world, all people that are interested in being the best that they can possibly be, that have read the book and love it and just want that next level of how do I actually get the results from this book? How do I have the pig-headed discipline and determination to continue 
when it's just reading pages, right? If you go to ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash dojo, D-O-J-O, ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash dojo, you can learn more about our one hour a week. My father always used to say one hour a week can transform your company if you work on your company that one hour a week. If you would like to be a part of this wonderful cohort that's going out about one hour a week implementing Ultimate Sales Machine into your business, that's where you would go. Anything you want to say about this, Troy? There's lots that we can say. I'm just introducing everyone to the concept. I think that there's a few things that I'm super excited because it is true. So many people have come and they've either learned from your father like I did you know, 15 years ago, and now they're trying to figure out there's some challenges in my business. I'm not happy with the results. My team has gotten younger. I'm transitioning people that are coming from different walks of life, maybe not just younger, but different levels of experience. And they want to, and they feel like they are a little bit all over the map. We've had all kinds of new technologies and strategies and talks. And I think what's so important is to go back to 12 essential core things that really have worked in the past. And they worked for me. I have 542 million reasons why I believe in it so much. And if you take a look at it, if I had to redo everything again, yes, there's lots of tools, but there's the essentials that I need to implement and do. If you can work on this with you and your team and be able to figure out ways of workshopping it, teaching it, understanding it, executing on it. And when you do have questions, being able to come back to a group of people and being able to figure out what's something we could have did better. Or where did we miss the mark? This is going to be a game-changing experience. There's no other program like it on planet Earth, that I can tell you. And I've spent literally six figures on my own education. And I know that if I had to redo it all over again, it would be that book, what would be there. And it really is that red Bible for me. And I think also, Amanda, just going back to things that are in sales training, these are the things that are going to help you establish more rapport with your customer. They're going to create more desire, be able to probe more needs be able to overcome objections and fears, all of the things that are essential process for a salesperson to really succeed and be able to feel that you're not closing a sale. It's just naturally happening. And I'm sure excited to be a part of that. And I know that with the team that we have here and the history and track record that we have, we're going to have a lot of fun and be able to impact some amazing companies. Yeah, it's and it's been such a joy to build out what the book looks like in a live group format. So Julie and I built the boot camps that we ran. Many of you went through our boot camps last year. And so for people that go through a course, only 3% of them finish a course. 97% of people that purchase a course never finish it, which is a crying shame. When I heard that statistic, Easy. it made me very sad. Why, yeah. why would we even do courses? What are we doing here? Still, people want courses, so we provide them. But what I know for a fact is when we started running live boot camps, virtual boot camps, within 30 days, 33% were generating sales and 42% were generating leads within 30 days. That was the difference when we actually had live, interactive, all of this, everything that we just said, frameworks, discussion, teaching, gamification was in there as well. Having some, a little bit of healthy, fun competition amidst the group, collaboration, all of that we're bringing to this now one hour a week. Anything you want to add to it, Julie? Because I know you've been can I, I don't know how much, how much I can spill the beans, but like it, what we created is so much fun and so full of joy. And I know that there's martial arts 
analogies throughout the ultimate sales machine because your father was a black belt. He was brilliant. He was he loved martial arts. There's that cute picture of you with him when you were very young. You are immersed in that martial arts experience. And what I love about the fact that we're we've created a dojo is that it's a place to come to practice. And it's not a place where you're ever going to stop practicing. You don't stop learning how to create education-based marketing. You don't stop learning and looking for those dream buyers. Always shifting. Times change. Technology changes. People change. Generations are completely different than the generation before. And so you're coming to a place where you're allowed to practice. You're allowed to have face plants. You're allowed to, you're allowed to really make a big mess, but you tried. And so we're going to celebrate those things. And, and I just love that it's repetition. What do you do in a martial arts class? You have katas and you spar and you're warming up and you're cooling down and you're working your body and you're working your mind both at the same time in concert. And it's just a joyful practice. And if for those people who are in the business world, because it is a calling and because it is just something they love to do so much, it is practice. It's not something they're ever going to stop. Most entrepreneurs never retire because they have no desire to ever retire. They just, maybe they sell a business and they start another one because they just love the process. And so I, I am really proud of what we've started to create here. And I know it's going to evolve over time, but the fact that it's a dojo should just tell people everything they need to know that they're going to go in, they're going to practice, they're going to learn, and they're going to have so much fun. Julie, I've watched you have so much fun with clients today as we're building core stories. And how many times in the first call or session together have you come up with something where people have made hundreds of thousands of dollars from just one idea and we got to practice it? Yeah. Ideas are my thing. (laughs) You're good at it. Ah, intimatesalesmachine.com forward slash dojo, D-O-J-O. I can't wait to see you all join us there. It's going to be, as Julie says, fun. It's going to be pig-headed, disciplined, and determined with joy. So with that said, any final thoughts? Did I leave you out for anything you wanted to add? I think just back to your point, Amanda, you get a choice today is you can, as we go through a new recession or a new challenge, you can be part of, what was the percentage again of people? It was 9%. 9% that grow, 91% that down. So so it's the 90-10 rule applies, right? So you can either be a part of the 90%, take part in something that isn't quite as fun, or you can be part of the 10% where it's having a blast and being attractive and growing in a time when most people don't have the first clue of where to go. And do it. I have fun doing it with a group of people that are really excited to teach you. Yes. Who will gain their black belt in the ultimate sales machine? It is yet to be known. (laughs) Ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash dojo. And that is your weekly dose of the ultimate sales machine.